I got some verses for you. I want you to pull up Jeremiah 29, 11. I got some other verses I'm going to read around it, but I want to kind of start there. This, is, this verse is really kind of what we're landing on tonight. The plane is taking off and landing on this, on this verse right here, Jeremiah 29, 11. I'll give you some time to find it. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, start bringing a Bible to church. It's important. Invest in your relationship with God. If you don't have a Bible, uh, pull your phone out and uh, find it. Lean into the person next to you if they have it. And if no one around you has a Bible, uh, I think we have the Bible up behind me on the screens today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to first... I'm going to tell you the title of tonight's talk. So that's Jeremiah 29, 11. If you have it, say amen. amen. Okay, hold it there. Put your finger on it. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. Do you guys feel good tonight? The title of tonight's talk is Value Life. Somebody say value life. Let's try that one more time, a little bit more emphasis. I know it's a Tuesday night. I know it's a long day for you, but come on, somebody give me value. value. Life. life. How many of you guys have been enjoying our Living My Best Life sermon series? How many of you guys have been enjoying it? It's been amazing. Tonight, it's about valuing life. Because here's the thing. If I'm going to be honest with you as a preacher, as a pastor, as your pastor, if I'm going to be real with you, there's like certain things in life that we need to know how to value. Because sometimes we can go through life and, and, and we can potentially be overlooking some things that can actually mean a lot to God. Sometimes we can overlook things like, what does that mean? Like you're in a certain situation and you kind of just blow right past it when God wanted to turn that situation into a moment. Like maybe God tugs on your heart to do something and to talk to somebody and, and you kind of ignore it and you just, God, is that really you? And you miss that moment, right? If I'm honest with you, there needs to be some things that we value in life in order to live our best life. Amen? The truth is I could tell what you value by just looking at your life. I just got to look at your Instagram. I just got to look at your call log. I just got to really look at your bank account, see what you care. There's some things I can look at in your life to see what you value. The question is, are we valuing life? Some things in life. There's some things that happen in, in our lives that I believe we need to learn how to value. Because we could potentially be overlooking something that God sees as important. You guys ready for this tonight? Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh my God, this is like the verse for tonight. Let it hit you. This is your word tonight. Tonight's based off of this. If you hear nothing, hear this verse. Hear these words over your life. Listen to me, listen to me. This verse right here is a seed. I see it as a seed. Come on, Holy Spirit, move in this place. If you hear the sound of my voice, I want you to understand that this verse right here is a seed that the Holy Spirit right now is placing over your life. He's placing it in your heart. You'll go maybe 10, 15 years. This verse will come right back into your mind. It'll just revisit you in moments that you feel like life's over. It'll revisit you in moments you 
feel like God, like game's over. I'm done. I must quit now. God, are you really for me? God, are you really with me? Is, are you, do, do you even exist? This verse is a seed for those moments. He who has ears, let him hear. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Come on, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that the promise of our God? That I have plans to prosper you. I don't have plans for evil. I have plans to bring you through it. I have plans to bring you over it. I have plans, plans to bring you under it. I have plans to bring you through the worst thing that you think you can ever face. Come on, my love will sustain you. I could bring you through it. I know the plans I have for you. Not plans for evil, but plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans that'll give you a future. You think it ends today? God's like, no, there's a bigger future ahead of you. Here's another verse, John 10, 10. You don't have to look it up. It's on the screens. It says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and not just life, right? Like they won't just be alive and like living. Like they won't just be, just be regular human beings walking the face. No, no, no. Jesus says, I came, right, for one reason, so that they may have life and life more abundantly. They may have life and life in abundance that they're not just living, but they're having their best life. That's what I came for. Seeds. These are seeds for you. Psalms 16, 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man, I don't know about you, but there's pleasure in the house of God. Man, there's this satisfaction we receive as believers in Jesus when his presence abides. When you feel the presence of God, right? You feel him just wash over you. You feel it kind of come into your heart, come into your mind. You're singing these worship songs, and, and it feels like you're just kind of just going through the motions. And then your spirit starts to activate in real and honest worship. You ever worshiping, and like in the middle of worship, you actually really start worshiping like it clicks? Right? That clicking moment, that's your spirit connecting with God. And that presence, right? That presence, what does it do? It brings fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I got to tell you, there's some things in life we need to learn how to value. Number one, that first thing we need to learn, is, I think, is scarcity. If you're taking notes right now, I need to value. I need to learn how to value scarcity. Scarcity value scarcity listen this was this is for someone who is digging the bottom of the bucket of life your relationships scarce your bank account scarce your resources scarce the people you have to lean on i'm talking about scarcity do you guys understand that word when scarce it's just limited there's not that much left in stock we're scarce scarcity in life can i tell you that god uses scarcity for his glory and if we were to shift our perspective on scarcity scarcity doesn't mean that god doesn't love me it means he's trusted me with scarcity to have faith that he can do something amazing when you have something in your life that you're lacking in let's say you're lacking in faith let's say you're lacking in something in your life that is scarce 
don't look at it as God is being mean to me. I ran out of water, so God must be mad at me. I'm scarce, I'm thirsty, and if he's a good God, then he wouldn't make me go thirsty. But maybe all of the emptiness of this bottle is room for God to do something amazing. Maybe, maybe it took the wedding to run out of wine for God to do something amazing. Maybe it took some lions in a den to create the man we know as Daniel. Maybe it took a nine-foot giant called Goliath to muster up a little little boy somewhere in the village to, to get some stones and stand up against them. Maybe it was the sin of the world. Maybe it was darkness that really led to Jesus showing up in our lives. You see, if it's not scarcity, then God won't move. If there's no scarcity, God can't do a miracle. If there's no need, God can't be a provider. If there's no scarcity, God can't move. Listen, the common denominator to miracles isn't prayer. The common denominator to miracles, it isn't faith. The common denominator to miracles is scarcity. It's in the need of a miracle that you are available for a miracle. And when we as young adults catch this right now in life, that scarcity isn't something we should curse, but scarcity is something we could value. Maybe we could start seeing every moment of life how God sees it. Maybe we could start seeing life with a bit more value. Maybe we can look at all the places in our life that isn't lacking, all the places that we need to get better, all the places our life needs to get better, and not see it as that's why God hates me, but see it that's how God's going to bless me. That's how God's going to move in my life. That's how God's favor. Y'all here tonight? Come on, God's want to do something in your life but you got to see the moment you're in as a, as a way for God to do a miracle you can miss your miracle if you miss the way you see scarcity you can miss it it's until it's until your dad walks out that you understand the love of God as a father over your life it's until that guy leaves you for you to understand that there's a love of the father that will never leave you and forsake you Man, it takes, it takes some things happening to you for God to just tap you on the head and say, listen, I'm all you will ever need. I'm all you can ever ask for or imagine. I have more for you. I have bigger for you. And if you just saw scarcity, not as a curse, but as a route for God to bless you, the enemy wants to tell you that the scarcity in your life is because God hates you. But you look at the enemy right back and you say, no, the scarcity is room for God to do a miracle in my life. All I have is this little fish and bread. Maybe God can feed 5,000. That's all I got. God works best in scarcity. My dad grew up broke. Anybody have broke parents? If you're spoiled, you got broke parents. Why? Because they learned their lesson. I'm not going to grow up in poverty like how I did with my parents. I'm going to work, I'm going to sweat, and I'm going to give my kids the best. How many of you guys have had broke parents when they, were, when they were kids? You hear how the games they played with? My dad used to play hide and seek with rats. He actually lost a couple games. <laughs> I waited all week for that joke right there, man. Oh, my God. Can I tell you how appreciative my dad is? Any moment in life, he's thanking God for anything he remembers. He was like, John, I'll never forget where I came from. I value where I'm at because of where I came from. 
I value the things that are in my life because I understand the scarcity. I understand that I was once in need. I went to bed once hungry. I went to bed, come on, just eating white rice and honey. Come on, somebody, Alicia Keys in the house. You know that song? Forget you. White rice and honey. Where y'all at? Like three of y'all. This is a true ghetto story. There you go. Some of you guys got it. Here's my next idea. In scarcity, God is about to move. Man, if you get anything from tonight, in scarcity, God's about to move. When you need him to move, that's when he can move. And, and, and God, God's looking at you. Sometimes we, we look at our lives and we say, how can I just succeed, 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 gain, gain, gain? Uh, how much can I gather and collect? God's like, no, no, no. It's not about you being a control freak. This relationship is about trust. You need to trust me. You need to trust me. Listen, you're not trustworthy when things are all good. You're trustworthy when things are going bad. That's when you really can trust people. God's like, I'm building my trust in you. Trust me. Trust me. Come on, I'm peace for the fatherless. I'm father to the fatherless. I'm hope to the hopeless. When you value scarcity, you allow God to do what he can do. Here's my next one. Number one, you got to value scarcity. Number two, you got to value questions. You guys here tonight? Somebody say questions. Some of you guys are asking a lot of people in church, what do I do? Wrong question. What should I do? That's the wrong question. What should I do? Hey, you go to church longer than two minutes. What should I do? What, should, what shouldn't I do? That's not, that's not a right question. The right question is not what should I do, is how should I think? Do you see the difference? If I tell you what to do, I'm creating robots. If I tell you how to think, I'm creating more people like me. So in different situations, the answer could be different, but it takes a thinker that can conquer that situation. It takes a thinker to wait. Let me assimilate this. this whatever's happening right now, I need to assimilate it. I need to think. It's not what I should do or do not do. It's about what is right in the sight of Jesus. And a lot of us aren't jumping that maturity step in God because we're asking the wrong questions. Can I tell you, your Jesus had a lot of questions. Luke chapter 2. Verses 46 to 47. This is the worst day in Mary and Joseph's lives. These are the parents of Jesus. The worst days. They, lo they lose Jesus for about three days. Can you imagine that? Has your mom ever lost you in the mall? Just six of us that have been scarred forever. <laughs> Thank you. You've been lost at a theme park. Even worse. The rides turn into like right? It's like everything's against you. Like, your parents are pretty bad if, 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 they, if, they, if they lose you at a theme park, right? It's like, oh, I lost them. Like, your parents haven't lost you for a day? Like, a whole day? Like, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., like, lost? Mary and Joseph, watch this. They lose Jesus for three days. Y'all need to read y'all Bible. They're the worst parents ever. They find Jesus in the temple. Jesus is like, scholars believe he's 12 or 15, somewhere there. So they got a little, a little middle schooler sneaking up in, in the temple, hanging there for three days. Mary and Joseph can't find him. They're going crazy. The cops are looking at them like, what would you do with him? They're like, he's the savior of the world. We didn't do nothing. They find him. They find him at the temple. This is where it picks up Luke chapter 2, verses 46, 47. This is real life, 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Terrible. 
he was sitting amongst the teachers. So Jesus, 12 or 15 years old, sitting among the teachers, listening. Someone say listening. He was listening to them and asking them questions. Somebody say questions. He was listening, and then he was asking them questions. There was a 12 to 15-year-old sitting amongst, amongst, like, dudes. They're not just, like, regular, like, believers, like, in, in the God of Israel. These dudes know the Bible. Like, they know it. Like, in order to get that position, they need to memorize books and books, and, and they love books, right? And they're so knowledgeable. And, like, they're teachers of the law. Like, these people could, like, sit for, like, a day and just, just quote the whole Bible. Like, just give it to you once. And they're around Jesus. So Jesus, is, he snuck in, right? He's this little kid with all these older dudes. And he's listening. And he's, he's doing what? He's asking them questions. So he's listening. And he's asking them questions. Verse 47. Everyone who heard him was amazed. So, so, so now something's happening. The people that are teachers of the law that know a lot, are now amazed by a 12 to 15-year-old boy. And, and here's the question. How can a 12 to 15-year-old boy kind of just steal the, the attention of these religious leaders? How, how can a, a young boy do that to these older gentlemen? Let's keep reading. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his, somebody say, understanding. And his, somebody say, answers. So Jesus sat and asked questions, right? So, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So you got to see this. This transition in thought, right? Let's put the next point up. Jesus was listening. Jesus was asking questions. Jesus was understanding. And Jesus began giving them answers. You guys see that? You see that transition, right? So Jesus was first what? He was listening to them, right? He was listening. A lot of you guys, you're new in the faith. Right now is a season of listening. It's not a season of starting a podcast. You're new in the faith. Understand what you become a student of the faith. Begin to, you know, it's not really a good season to pour out heresy. But come on, I got to understand what I believe. I got to go to next steps. I got to be a part of the vision of the church. I got to first listen. Second, I got to start asking questions. Not what should I do questions, but what? How should I think questions, right? I, I, I'm not trying to create robots. I'm not going to show you what to do because in different scenarios in life, it's not about what you do. It's about how you're supposed to think, how, how you're supposed to walk. You guys here tonight? That's the Holy Spirit leading you. So, so first you listen, right? Then you ask good questions. Then you understand, right? So understanding is a part that you kind of figure that out on your own. Like I've preached sermons to people that immediately, like here's a good example. It happened to me last week. You ever been talking to somebody and immediately once you start trying to correct them in some type of way or kind of come with different types of opinion, they tune out mentally, but they don't know that their body shows evidence that they've tuned out to you. So they got the tapping going on and the rolling eyes. And in your head, you're telling them something good that can help them, but they've chose not to listen. So they're giving you eye contact, but you hear a lot of these. And I was talking to my boy that I'm really giving him what I think could probably help him, but he's so tuned out. He's so tuned out what I'm saying. He's listening, but he's not understanding. He's listening, and he already has his answers. And isn't that the thing, right? Like, Jesus listened first, and they give answers. But right now in America, we seem to first give our answers, then say how we understand it. Then we ask questions, and then we listen. But maybe the, the way for you to, to value questions in life, the way for you to value growth, 
The way for you to value your season is to not start with answers, but start with listening. Start with, start with just first opening up your ears, then asking a question, then understanding the things that God wants to say and do in your life. And then it's time for you to speak and give an answer. Some of you guys are saying answers and no one's asking questions. Your season, you got to know your season. It's time to listen. It's time to be a student. It's time to be Timothy. It's time to be a right hand. You guys here tonight? What should I do? How should I think? Here's another thing. We need to value, and we need to value f- failure. So my next idea is unafraid of failure. Unafraid of failure. That's my next idea. First, first, first we need to what? First, we need to, to, to value scarcity. Second, we need to value questions. Third, we need to value failure. I'm unafraid of failure. Whenever you see the word failure, I want you to understand that failure is not final. You guys here tonight? Some of you guys think that you failed and it's final and God is done with you and he's writing you off. That's not the God we serve. That's the God that the world tells you that exists. But his, his love, his grace actually abounds forevermore. He's never going to stop loving you. Failure is not final. Here's another one. Failure is an event and not a person. Whoever's called you a failure, they've misunderstood what failure is. It's not a person. It's an event in a person's life. You cannot attach someone to failure because failure can lead to somebody's success. I can't attach failure to your life. The enemy wants to attach failure into your life. The enemy wants to tell you you're a failure. You're going to keep messing up. Why even try? Why even keep coming to church? Why even read your Bible? No, no, no. Failure is not who I am. It's just the moment that I'm in right now. Because a righteous man falls, but he also stands back up seven times. Come on, I'm unafraid of failure. Failure is not final. Failure is not a person. It's an event. We have to understand how to value failure. In other words, don't fall backwards, but fail forwards. You're not learning in life when you're succeeding. You're not really, like, really learning a lot of lessons when you're doing great in life. You're not learning the most when life's just going great. You're learning the most when you're failing every single day. There's another lesson I got to learn. There's another thing I got to learn. There's another thing I got to adjust. I got to get better. There's another issue at home. Maybe I'm not handling my home correctly. I need to walk with more grace. There's another problem in my job. Maybe I need to have Jesus a bit more in my mind. There's different types of failures that lead to different types of successes. But if we're going to be real, I mean a real church, some of us are going to fail. This isn't about perfection. The church isn't about perfect people only. Man, I wish we had a sign up. No perfect people allowed. If you think you're perfect, you already messed up. So we want everyone welcoming and coming in. But man, can I tell you, we need to be unafraid of failure. And I'm not talking about, hey, you're allowed to mess up a thousand times. No, I'm talking about learn from your failures. If you messed up, stand on it and walk forward. It will not be the end of you. It will not be the name over you. It can't label you. You are not your failures. That was for either someone failing or about to fail. Some of you guys in here, that's not for me. No, no, no. And then you watch you slip. This is for you. Not everything has to be. Reactive, this is proactive preaching. And lastly, 
incremental increase is another thing in, in life we need to value. Incremental increase. Somebody say incremental. In, it increments. It's not, it's, not, it's not this big increase. If you think that Christianity is just you winning the lotto every six months, you got this all messed up. This isn't all about breakthroughs and, like, huge increases. It's really about baby steps every single day. You don't go to the gym for one time and leave with, like, super hard abs. Like, that's how God designed you. Like, it's going to take time to get better. The things with him doesn't get different. It's going to take some time to get your spiritual maturity. It's going to take some time. You got to celebrate the steps. Somebody say incremental increase. A man walking is success even though he is not at his destination. Y'all here tonight? A man walking is success even though he's not at his destination. This is where we jack up. You ready for this? And I'm closing right here. I'm landing. This is where we jack up. We say, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to be just so, so full of joy when I make it over here. When I've made it, when I've received it, when I got that position, when I got it, right? And, and the truth is, is that life's like really all the way over here. A man walking is success, even though he isn't at his destination. Here's an example. Stand up. Youth. Stand up, stay right there. I want you to yell your name out for everyone to hear on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. You guys heard his name? No? All right, we're going to try it again. One, two, three. Darren, you guys got it? Say hi, Darren. He's so handsome. Here's what we're going to do. Now, here's a, put that point back up. A man walking is success even though he isn't at his destination, right? So for some of you that said yes to Jesus, can I tell you, we celebrate you forever. You're not in ministry yet, but we still love you. We still celebrate you. Come on, can we celebrate people even where they're at, no matter where they're at? We celebrate you. Listen, just because you're here tonight, come on, we celebrate you. You made it here tonight. You made it to church. We love you. Hey, you've been coming for one whole month. Come on, can we celebrate that? Can we, you, one whole month. Come on. Look at you. Look at you. You saved. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Celebrate. Celebrate. Come on. God is proud of you. He's proud of you. Look at you. Involved in the church, Cynthia. Look at you involved in the church. The devil called her, the devil called her addict, but God said, No, 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 she's a saint. She's righteous. She's healed. We celebrate you. We celebrate you. We celebrate you. Come on, give it up for yourself. Celebrate yourself. You've made it. God loves you. Stop beating yourself up. You've made it. We're walking. Darren, stand up. Take a step. We celebrate you. We celebrate you. Look at your seat. Look at your seat. You're two whole steps away from where you used to be. Two whole steps.
two whole steps. Take one more step, Darren. We celebrate you. He wasn't tithing, but now he's tithing 2%. Listen, some of you guys, are, you're, you're hesitating if you can give to God. Can I give 10%? Start at 2%. See, see God start to multiply something in your life. See God start to bless you because you're living a life of generosity. Your God so loved the world that he saved. No, no, no. So loved the world that he gave. This kingdom is a kingdom of generosity. You give. There's growing and there's wisdom in giving. Start at 3% tithing. Go to 4%. Come on. You, we celebrate him right where you're at. Come on, celebrate him. Come on. He's still walking. Here's the thing. This is what we think life is. I want you to run at me in the count of three. Run at me. Ready, set, go. We think that's it. Oh, my God. He made it. He made it. Woo. Yeah. No, 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 no. Go back over there. No, go where you were. You were four steps ahead. You just started tithing 4%. Life's not a sprint. It doesn't happen that way. If you don't learn how to celebrate yourself now, you'll probably quit before you even get to where God wants you to be. You got to celebrate. Every day, God, I love you. It's about a relationship. This isn't religion. Like Jesus ended religion. This isn't about ways to get to heaven. Come on, heaven came to us. Unafraid of failure, incremental increase. Stay standing right there, Darren. Can we put up Exodus chapter 23? I'm almost done. Oh, my God. So this is God working little by little. Somebody say little by little. This is God working little by little. This is God incremental increase. You're waiting for this, this boom moment when God's really all about the baby steps. Just a little bit in, a little bit in, a little bit in, a little bit in. It's not like these big, huge leaps. It's really like day by day. And this is how God works. Exodus chapter 23, verses 27 all the way to 30. It says this. It's up on the screens. I will send my terror ahead of you. This is God's words to his chosen people. He's speaking over them. He's giving them a Jeremiah 29. He's giving them that moment, right? I'm, I'm going to do something in you. I've got this promised land I have for you. i got blessings I have for you. I'm going ahead of you, right? This is his promise. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will defend you, right? I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. 28, I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites. Come on, he's coming out all these three gangs. Verse 29. Right? But I will not drive them out in a single year. Wait a minute, God. You're going to do all this amazing stuff, and you're telling me it's not going to happen quickly. It's actually going to happen longer than a year. Wait a minute, God. I've been praying six months for something to happen, and you're telling me it's going to take six more months. You're telling me I'm going to keep on waiting. Does that mean that God's not good? No, that means that we're impatient. Scarcity. Because I'm in need, God's about to do something amazing. I'm going to value where I'm at. So this is what God says. He says, listen, verse 29, I will not drive them out in a year. Why? Because the land will become desolate and the wild animal, animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Oh, my God. So this is God saying, 
I have something for you, but it's so big. The land is so huge. There's so many animals. You don't have enough people to live there. The place that I have for you is so big and wild. If you were to walk in now, the wild animals would kill you. They would literally destroy you. My blessing will be the worst thing that could happen to you if you go in too prematurely. My blessing, y'all here tonight? My blessing for you, if you walk into it now, it'll probably destroy you. The more I have for your life will actually stress you out. You wouldn't be able to handle it. The more that I have, it's too big. You can't even think about it. The, the blessing I have for you, you can't even imagine it. New birth, take that word to heart. That God has something so huge for you, ahead of you, not because of you, but in spite of you. He has it ready for you. And if you were to walk into it now, it'll probably kill you. But if you were ready for it, but if it was the right time, but if it was when God said it was the right time for you to move into that blessing, that you would actually be in the perfect will of God. And God says, listen, if I were to give you that land right now, you wouldn't be able to take care of it. The animals will overthrow you. I'm going to let you increase. I'm going to let you build up. We're going to go day by day for the next two years, three years, whenever. I'm going to start working with you day by day, step by step. I will give you this land little by little. Incremental increase. God's working on you. God's working on you. Amen? God's working on you. I was working on you. Here's my last idea tonight. If you're going to be long in the Lord, you got to learn how to celebrate the steps. Celebrate the steps. Thank you, Darren. It's just making sure your legs worked. They work. Come on, I feel the presence of God in this place. I don't know about you. God's in this room. And tonight, listen, tonight was special. Tonight, God wanted to do something slightly different. God wanted to speak to you directly into your heart, directly into your soul. Here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room in respect and reverence of what's going on. Ready? One, two, three. Let's all just be in complete reverence. God is in this place. God loves you and he's for you. God has brought you here for a reason. Leaders begin to pray for the people in the row, pray for people everywhere.